This is episode number 158 with the fat burning man, Abel James. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome, everyone, to this episode, number 158, to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about this. We've got my buddy Abel James on the show. And for those that don't know who Abel is, he's a widely successful podcaster who's got the show called The Fat Burning Man, which I've been on as well and shared my story about how I lost 28 pounds in 28 days with eliminating two simple things in my diet. And uh, Abel has just come out with a new book called The Wild Diet. Get back to your roots, burn fat, and drop up to 20 pounds in 40 days. And I'm excited about this. There's a lot of great stuff in this book here. And in this episode, we're really talking about the secret is simply getting back to our wild roots and eating the way we have for centuries. So, you know, I cover a lot of things about health and fitness and wellness on here, as I believe when you master your health, you can actually have the opportunity to become great in your life. When you don't master your health, that's something that's always lagging and it's holding you back mentally, emotionally, physically to achieving greatness and achieving your purpose. So want to dive in with this. Again, very excited to have Abel on. He's got a different perspective, a different um, look on fitness based on his own experience and why he got into fitness we'll talk about here in just a second. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this one with the one, the only, Abel James. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. I've got my man from down south, Abel James on. What's going on, Abel? Life is good. How's it going, Lewis? It's going good, man. Yeah, we we're just talking about you're traveling the world and riding in Bali and RVing all around the country. And sounds like you're living the dream right now. It's good times, except for a truck catching fire on the way to Burning Man. <laughs> what? <laughs> so did it, like, like smoke and flames or just like? Yeah, I, I wish that know. were a joke, but it's been, yeah, it's, it's funny. Whenever you do, you know, adventurous stuff, adventurous stuff comes to you too. And so there's been <laughs> a lot of that. It's been really good, you know, life training and, uh, Great for a piece of humble pie when you need it. Oh my goodness. So what happened when the it went on fire? What oh man. It? it was so like we were we were like two hour I think it was two hours outside of Reno in the middle of nowhere, just going up this like huge incline. And we were hauling um with a Ford truck that I just bought. <laughs> we're hauling this uh thirty-five foot toy hauler, like R V conversion. And uh we had just taken it in. There was an oil problem. And uh, so the light came on, you know, probably 40 minutes after we were driving out there. And they're just like, oh, don't worry about it. We probably just like didn't flip a switch or something like that. And 10 minutes later, smoke starts billowing wow. out of the front of the truck. And yeah, flames start. Fortunately, we had a uh, fire extinguisher in the RV. But man, it was nuts. So what happened? You popped open the hood and started put out the fire or what? <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And it was, uh, it was, just, but the, it's just you and your wife, right? Right. Yeah. And the crazy part is like, if it had really like gone up, we're towing our house. We're towing like, we just downsized everything we had into this tiny little trailer. And actually, I don't know if you know this part of my backstory, but when I was in Austin, like same thing happened. Uh, some guy was wow. out with a cigarette, like 
in an, uh, an apartment next to mine and I lost everything in a fire. And that was like one of the big reasons I named it Fat Burning Man. <laughs> it was like wow. all these crazy puns. But then it catches fire on the way to Burning Man. I mean, it's it's too good. That's crazy, man. So is that a sign uh, that you should continue going to Burning Man or that you should stop <laughs> and just leave? Was it a great experience for Burning Man? <laughs> Burning Man. I think if you want to understand America, Burning Man gives you a pretty interesting perspective on what's going on. <laughs> I might just kind of leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting. I've never been, but I've like a hundred friends who've all gone and swear by it and say it's incredible. Yeah, totally. It's it's got its own thing going on. That's it's, for sure. It's a different world for like a week, right? Yeah, you basically yeah. It's live a, in a different world. It's Mars. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. The people act like they're on Mars. Yeah, well, some people act like that all the time, and that's <laughs> that's the secret is that you can really have uh, a lot of people who go to Burning Man don't don't do this, but you can just kind of live that way all the time, you know, with that right. with that sense of freedom. And I think actually one of the interesting things about it when Allison and I got there, we got to it in the middle of all of our other crazy, you know, adventures in different countries, cultures. Uh, good and bad stuff, and and we got there, and everyone else is just like, oh man, nothing's like this. And I'm, we're thinking of all the places that it's kind of like, <laughs> you know? like we just experienced this two weeks ago, right? It's kind of funny because it is its own, like you know, festivals and concerts. I mean, everyone gets a taste of yeah. what that's about, and uh, it's it's funny because my folks now were empty nested, and after that happened, they became musicians, and so they they hang out with all these musicians in uh down south in florida and <laughs> that like some of them are deeply ingrained in the festival culture if you know right, what I mean. of course yeah i mean you know just 20 minutes away i'm from venice and it seems like it's just a constant festival right people, people talking about the next festival and living that way and you know doing all that stuff but uh you trip over festivals in austin that place is great yeah exactly <laughs> i was just there this last week and uh you know a couple weeks away from south by which is going to be madness for the month of march yeah totally um but you're not there now. You're in, you're in Arizona. You're in your RV. And where are you going to next? Uh, Peru is where wow. we're going right after this. Uh, so, yeah, this will be the first South By I haven't been to in like five or six years. I used to play it all the time. Playing South By is like, like as a musician is the worst thing ever because like the entire town is gridlocked and somehow you have to deliver gear with no parking. Wow. Uh, it's just, yeah. So we're going to Peru instead. <laughs> and, Crazy. Uh, and then we're coming back in my book, uh, The Wild Diet is coming out on April 7th. So we'll be doing a whole actual like media tour thingy and uh, probably some music dates too around the Northeast. And then I think uh, Nashville will be for a while and then Florida and New Orleans, Texas. We'll we'll be having some fun. Now, I want to I talk about the book, The Wild Diet and the overall healthy lifestyle in general. But I didn't know you were a musician before and <laughs> you're, you're a guitarist, you're a singer or what are you? What's your thing? Yeah, it's funny because like actually uh, Fat Burning Man and the whole like podcasting blogging thing was me. Uh, I played like 250 shows uh, in a year, actually like a couple years like that. And I burned myself out. You know, mm. I just, you know, at some point I had played with a lot of, you know, uh, venues and, and big names or whatever and stuff like that and recorded with them. And it was just one of those things where you do a lot of things in life and you can see where the momentum is. You can see where your own passion is. Right. And uh, for whatever reason, at that point, I decided uh, that I wanted to kind of start up something new outside of music. And I was thinking to myself, like, where are my advantages, the unfair ones, especially? And, uh, you know, <laughs> I've had this voice for a long time yes. and I've done radio perfect, stuff. Perfect voice for radio. 
Right. And, and perfect face for it too. And so I did that and, uh, a while back and really enjoyed it. You know, it kind of comes naturally to me because part of being a musician is being an entertainer. Yes. Um, and so like when you play a, you know, I, I played a, um, gig in Austin at like Lance Armstrong's old bar. Uh, and I played for like three hours. A lot of the times would be the gig. And so most of that time you're just kind of like, entertaining the crowd, you know, talking into sure. a microphone. And so like doing something like a podcast or an online show is uh, a really like easy transition. But now it's, it's been enough time uh, that I allowed myself to not have that crutch of music. Cause that's actually what my first book was about too, was uh, basically how, how music is its own language. Mm. And uh, it's always meant a lot to me. And so I wanted to see what would happen without it for a little while. And now we're coming back and it's, it's crazy. So how long did you go away from music or from playing on the road? Um, a couple of years. And I haven't really done road gigs since. But uh, as I was telling you before the call, it was really cool uh, how this happened. But there was this, you know, every once in a while, someone will send you a really genuine, awesome thank you note for uh -huh. your podcast, right? Yes. And it's just like, it makes your day. Um, and I got one of those from a guy named... Denny from Nashville, who said he was a musician and he's just like, thank you so much, Abel. And it was just, you know, a paragraph or two, but it really meant a lot to me. He said he lost like 40 over 45 pounds and he's really like living it. And then at the end, I saw that he was, uh, you know, a musician with a Tim McGraw band. And I was like, wait a second, like, I'm pretty sure I heard of them. <laughs> and, uh, and so I talked to him, I got him on the phone for a little bit and, uh, I'm just like, you know, man, he, he said, basically a lot of the band started listening to podcasts like ours, um, on the because road, it's right? yeah, on the road, trying to stay healthy on the road. And it's really easy to listen to, to podcasts on the road. It's a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people right now are in their cars. Um, and so basically we just had this back and forth. I had him on the show and people loved it. They said, uh, funny, funny enough to me, because like, to me, he was one of the biggest like celebrities in a way. He's been the band right. leader for Tim for like 20 years and he's just, he's a legend. Is that like the lead guitarist or what is that? Yeah, he's a band leader, lead guitarist, and basically the guy who keeps everything from falling apart. Sure. And when, yeah. when there are, you know, stakes that high, it's it's unprecedented that he's been, you know, the, the band leader of that group for so long. Right. Um, but he's kind of the man behind the man and just like the sweetest guy. Wow. Uh, but he told me that, they started listening to, you know, our shows and uh, implementing a lot of those lifestyle factors into their own lives. And, uh, you know, Tim started working out. The whole band went sober. They lost like, wow. I think Tim lost 40 plus pounds. Uh, and a lot of them, <laughs> I met up with them and they, when they came through Austin and they were like, oh my God, fat burning man. It's, <laughs> I'm like, you guys gotta be kidding me. They were like fans of you and, it's, and, they're, oh, and they're playing so, in front of like a hundred thousand people every show or something. And that's what I said because Denny got like, this, this is the funny piece of, uh, like feedback that I got from him. Cause like before the show, he, before my show, before we recorded it, you know, it's just my stupid little podcast and he's all nervous <laughs> and I can tell. No way. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, you play to stadiums like every night. That's hilarious. Um, and he's just, he's like, it's a totally different thing, man. Um, but because of that, I think people could kind of hear how real he was in his voice. He didn't have anything to sell. You know, he didn't even have a book to pawn off on anyone. He was just there because he, it meant a lot to him that, that you know, uh, celebrities and, and basically the general public have access to 
um, sources of information outside of like the ABCs, NBCs, you know, the bought and, and paid right. for type advertising model that's only that, you know, is difficult to trust a lot of the time. They like the independent stuff. And so a lot of people were just like, man, you should have people like Denny on way more often because he's so real. He's just like a normal guy. <laughs> I just cool. thought that was so cool. But yeah, then we went on. We just started playing music together and um, accidentally recorded a whole album like in a weekend. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. So you were singing with Tim McGraw and the whole band? So, no. So Tim is uh, basically his his whole family is awesome and involved in like the Tim McGraw uh, side of things. And so they're the touring band and they um, have been supporting him for, for years, most of them. And for Denny, even, you know, longer than that. And then the rest of it is basically just like all these legends from Nashville, like the bass player, uh, <laughs> Bonnie Raitt came up to him after a show that he played and said that he was badder than God. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so it's like um, people who have played with Elton John, Billy Joel, Crosby, Sills, Nash and Young, uh, Credence. I mean, like these guys have just kind of played with everybody. And wow. uh, a lot of musicians are like that. And that's a really interesting thing that I kind of was was reminded of is that because of that, a lot of musicians top out at six figures and, and usually low six figures, no matter how big you are um, and and how good your, your sessions have been or whatever. Uh, because there are thousands of people who are like just as talented who will do it for free. You know, right, right, and you just get the day rate or whatever, or the or the the show rate, um, right, as a band yeah. member, right. So, so the business side of all of that is really interesting to see how like there's the whole A list celebrity side, and then there are the music musicians also in the, in the band, which is kind of uh, a, a different organism, but um, obviously has to work really well together with everything else that that goes on. Yeah, I understand that. My brother is a jazz violinist, and he's constantly. Yeah, I remember you saying that. He's constantly hustling in the business side of things. Uh, you know landing licensing deals and tv stuff and movies right. and all these different things just trying to build the business but he also goes on tour and play you know he played with les paul for 10 years and um <sighs> you know some of the greatest talk about a legend right i mean he played at his funeral <laughs> they had like 100 really? people at his funeral and they asked him to come play with him and wow. slash and like a couple other you know musical legends that's um, so so i understand that whole process i mean i'm like i'm not in it myself but i understand it uh from an outsider's point of view, yeah. But, but um, so let's go. Let's talk about healthy lifestyle because, you know, for a musician, for anyone who's a driven entrepreneur, for an athlete, whoever it may be, someone who's got a extreme passion and vision, and they're up to big things in the world, and they're doing multiple things, or they've got a family, whatever it may be. Anyone who's driven with a lot of things on their plate, uh, has decisions to make about their health. And has decisions to make about what they actually eat that's on their plate. Let's say, um, I want to talk about this wild diet thing that you've created and and how you kind of learned your philosophy. You said you were kind of burning yourself out from being on tour, and then you wanted to dive into really understanding uh, health and your your yeah. fitness levels. And I want to talk about kind of what is your philosophy about about it all, and what are the basics to your wild diet. Sure, man. Yeah. So there's, there's basically industrial food. And if you imagine, you know, all of these, these, these 
straight out of a horror movie, you know, uh, most of the cattle that we have here, I don't know if anyone who's listening has been by a, uh, a cattle farm recently and of the industrial variety, but I can tell you in Arizona, close to where Allison's folks live, um, we have to drive by those things all the time. And that is not where you want your food to be coming from. Uh, Industrial dairy farms. uh, It it doesn't really matter what animal it is. That's unfortunately where the majority of our food comes from is, is these enormous farms where these animals are not treated like anything living should be treated. Right. Um, And, and it's really easy to kind of go and buy the package that says something is all natural or, you know, good for you in whatever way or, or free of something that you know is bad or has something that's supposed to be good in it. Um, it's really easy to kind of fall into the marketing trance of just grabbing whatever's available to you. But basically what I try to, to walk people through in the book, through stories of my, my own life pretty much and, and traveling the world and living on the road and, uh, also, my mom's a holistic nurse practitioner, and so she's for a long time been healing people with herbs, specifically me. Like <laughs> a lot of people don't know that when I was a kid, I almost died because I had a temperature of, uh, I think my mom said it was like 106 for far too long. And they, they basically pumped me full of every antibiotic they could to try to keep me alive. Um, but it wasn't working. And so it was through my mom actually meeting someone who was into Eastern uh, practices and herbalism who introduced her to the whole, uh, you know, plant medicine side of things and healing with herbs, spices, teas, tonics, uh, you know, bombs that you can make at home from the, the wild foods in your backyard. Uh, so that's kind of been something that I, that I tried to inform, uh, this book that, that basically it's, there's one side, which is the domesticated everything and the industrial, which works fine if you're going to make a car or something like that, but our health doesn't work so well there. And then there's the other side, the wild side, which is basically things that have been around for a long time or thrive in their natural environment. The closer that we can eat to coming, like basically eating food that comes from that world, like think a small thriving organic farm, Mm -hmm. the better off we'll we'll all be. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I want to, you talk about feasting and fasting and yeah. how they can improve health. So how can, how can we feast and improve health and also <laughs> so fast? <laughs> I, I start the book with a, a short story, basically, of me going to dinner with, uh, with my wife and about 20 other leaders in the health movement. It was at some you know, conference thing in Florida. And uh, basically, we, I go through all of the things that we ordered, which was like, you know, steak, two big salads with like avocado and cheese and a charcuterie board. And, uh, you know, we polished off a bunch of wine and champagne and everyone looks around. And they're just like, how in the world do you two eat so much and stay so thin? And uh, that's kind of what uh, <laughs> what other people see and are so puzzled by a lot of the time, especially health people, because they're not. Um, they may understand fasting and kind of how that works, uh, but they don't necessarily see it applied to daily habits. And that's so like, I, I guess I'll just explain what I'm doing right now. Cause I do this pretty much every day is I'm recording, uh, I don't know, six or seven interviews today, right in a row. I haven't eaten anything. Um, huh. but in the mornings I usually have, uh, a bit of coffee or tea with some fat in it. So it could be, uh, I, I'm a big fan of heavy cream, the grass-fed heavy cream, and uh, coconut oil also works, and 
things like that. Occasionally I might have a smoothie, um, like a green smoothie, but made of vegetable, basically like a blended up salad. Sure. Um, but primarily I'm under eating during the day and then at night closer to sundown, we eat a big meal and that's, that's where we eat the cooked food. So it's kind of like raw foods during the day and then cooked food at night. And that in why, a lot of ways, why is, kinda, that, why is that powerful? So there are a lot of benefits to eating less often. Um, they used to think that I, I know a lot of people have heard of the caloric restriction. Basically when you starve yourself for really hard for a really long time, you might live a few years longer. Uh, so after that research came out and kind of bummed everyone out, um, they, they had this other round of research that was around intermittent fasting, which basically said that you could get the same benefits of restriction by just eating less often, um, that you do when you starve yourself. And so, um, I found something really interesting. Like I've always been a productivity wonk and, and loved, um, trying to see how far, we can go while still maintaining health. And I found that when I ate in the morning, uh, especially when I ate something carby in the morning, I would get hungry within like an hour or two after that. And uh, when I looked into the research, uh, I found it was actually through fasting research when I was kind of entertaining the idea years ago that I found that basically there's this, there are different biochemical mechanisms within the body, but cortisol is the thing that wakes you up in the morning and right. it's, it's high in the morning. And when you uh, have enough food, protein, or carbs that uh, gives you a surge in your blood sugar and then in your insulin, it can interfere with uh, basically your leptin and ghrelin, your hunger, and your your uh, cycles of being satisfied and full. Um, I found that basically in the mornings, I didn't, I didn't get hungry until I ate. And so I wanted to see like when I would actually get hungry if I didn't eat. And as long as I'm drinking enough water uh, and, and hydrating well, which I, that's the secret really, uh, is most people don't do that. And it's, <laughs> you, I'm never caught without water or something that's, that's going to hydrate me. Uh, but usually I don't feel hungry. I don't really need a meal or any sort of sustenance until three, sometimes even 6 PM. Really? Um, and that's allowed me to, I mean, it, it saves so much time. I, I have this whole book in uh, this, this whole portion of my book that talks about, I actually make fun of Tim Ferriss with like <laughs> the four hours, because if you can reduce the amount of meals that you're cooking to say one a day or one big meal a day that could even be leftovers, then all of a sudden this, all this time that people are spending, not just making their food, but thinking about like where their food's going to come from driving to a place or going on Yelp and like poking around. Um, if you can avoid some of that and still feel great, it's, it's, pretty awesome and it's what we've been doing every day for a few years <laughs> so basically don't eat during the morning or afternoon you, you might have some raw things or some coffee with cream in it type of thing like heavy cream yeah uh, and yeah lots of water and then you'll just have a dinner meal yeah exactly and um now if we're going to go out for a really long hike or an adventure like you want to um you obviously want to make sure that you're getting enough fuel every day. You want to make yeah. sure that if you're going out in the cold or you're going skiing, like food is something so much different than what a lot of people think it is and, and operate by in this society, which is, you know, this, this is something that I need to hack into not making me fat, <laughs> you know? Right. And it's, it's much more about, um, so one of the reasons this works is because 
when you start to whittle down the refined carbs in your diet, a lot of people who have been eating bread, bagels, cereal, and other whole grains thinking that they're healthy, um, a lot of people have been duped that way. Uh, right. And I was as well. I, I talk about that in my book a lot. When you get away from that packaged uh, grain type food, and especially the sugars and the preservatives that are that are in that and move toward um, primarily meals that are veggies first and then uh, meats or proteins and plenty of fat, you become fat adapted. And that allows you to run off of your body fat stores um, throughout the day and the meal the night before as opposed to this constant royal roller coaster that most people are on of eating carbs, getting hungry, and then eating more carbs to kind of mm-hmm. like stay, keep up with that. And energy, you, yeah. you as an athlete, I'm sure can really relate to that because that's one way that you're taught to fuel. Yes. Well, I mean, that's, that's my other question. It's like, what if you're training pretty hard or you do a hard workout in the morning or a hard run? Is that a sustainable diet where you don't really eat much until dinner? Or yeah, like so said, it, it's like going it, out and doing, uh, you know, uh, hiking or or something like that, you're going to need some extra energy, right? Right. So with anything, you want to kind of like start small and it might be, you know, skipping a a breakfast or two every week um, or or once a week, something like that, maybe even less, but trying if basically not force feeding yourself every meal. Mm -hmm. But as as far as the carb thing goes, um, actually, I just had a a talk with Vinny Tortorich, who's also out in your neck of the woods. The angriest trainer? That's him. Yeah. And, uh, he was talking about how he went out for a, he's a cancer survivor and also a, a a very good endurance athlete. And he went, went out for a 14 hour hike just on the bacon and eggs he had at 2am before the hike and didn't fuel at all. Aside from that, as kind of as proof that being fat adapted, uh, is something that, uh, your body is, is very comfortable doing. In fact, when you look at, you know, way back into the Inuit Eskimo days, and and some people kind of like talk about paleo that way. Uh, our bodies are really well adapted to eat a heck of a lot of fat and not much else. Mm. You could argue that you could eat a lot of carbs too, uh, or a lot of protein as well, which you can. But uh, there seems to be a lot of advantages, um, not only to your body but to your brain, of fueling a lot with fat. And so that's that's a big theme in our recipes is you get most of your um, satisfaction and flavor from the healthy, fresh fats that you have in your diet, not the sugars and the refined carbs where it, and, and additives that it usually comes why, from. I mean, why does sugar and bagels taste so good? I know, right? It's Gosh, not, it's crazy. not even fair. <laughs> now, I heard that you lost 20 pounds in 40 days eating bacon, chocolate, and butter. How is that? How is that possible? <laughs> so that's kind of what I was talking about. I love um, doing experiments on myself and kind of seeing how my body rea- reacts. And it's not like I was slogging around being fat for a long time, but I was trying to follow the uh, recommendations of my doctor, which was like basically the best in the business in DC when I was a consultant living that lifestyle. And you know, it's slowly but surely, I I put on fat. I lost muscle and I was hungry all the time. Like things were not going very well at all. And so I, um, this was around the same time that I was reading up on old bodybuilding manuals and like the cyclical ketogenic diet and some of the other like crazy diets of like 36 eggs a day that the, cool. the guys were doing in like the sixties and the seventies, you know, yes. when they, those guys, um, <laughs> if, if they thought it would help them like build muscle or lose fat, they would eat cat poop. I mean, they, they'll do anything. 
Um, and so I, I was entertained by like all of those kind of fringe styles. And so I thought, all right, well, let's just see what happens if I do not cat poop, but, <laughs> but high fat, you know, like butter, um, grass fed bacon, eggs, you know, not, not Atkins style, disgusting food from McDonald's or whatever that some people do, <laughs> but, uh, you know, good high quality fats and then just ratchet down the carbs, see what happens with my body. And, uh, it was, it was crazy. It was like, not only did I lose 20 pounds in almost a month, but like I looked five, 10 years younger. Like my skin started to get all like tight wow, against really? my face again. Mostly, mostly eating the bacon and the butter and the, the fats. Yeah. And, and also vegetables. I mean, so you get the majority of your, your calories from fat because fat is a lot more energy dense than other foods. Uh, it's about twice as energy dense mm-hmm. as uh, carbs or protein. And so if you're, if you're fueling primarily with things like coconut oil or, um, I actually, I'm a big fan of eating coconuts and their meat themselves and avocados. Um, and also like, so lots of vegetable, a lot of people hear fat and they think red meat, bacon, and that's kind of a joke, right? That you can get away with eating bacon, um, which you can, but not plate plates of it, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it's not, it's more of a flavoring agent. Uh-huh. Um, and something that makes your house smell really good yes. than like a staple of your diet. So it's, it's important to say that too. Gotcha. Interesting. Um, is there too much butter? Can you have too much butter? I don't think so, but I'm a dairy fiend and I come from a family of dairy farmers really? and we've been, yeah, we've been handling dairy for a long time. That said, a lot of people cannot handle dairy that well. And it's, if you take it out, a lot of people will lose weight, get less inflamed. So it's yeah, like, right? it's that's definitely tough. something that's worth checking out. Um, what you want to do really is find out what you can get away with. <laughs> you know, sure. if you're like play to your natural advantages. Um, so for me, I, I can run marathons, but I'm a lot better at short distances, right? Mm-hmm. Just like I carry more muscle more easily. So it makes more sense for me to do a couple squats and put on a bunch of muscle than like, try to run 30 miles a day and try to get as skinny as possible, you know? So like kind of do this, do a similar thing with your diet. I can't, I'm allergic to, um, or at least I have problems with, uh, olives, which sucks, but that just means that I can eat every other food. You know what I mean? So like find those things that you can't get away with, take those out. So for a lot of people that is dairy, but, um, like my brother, for instance, always had a problem with, uh, with the dairy, that we would get at home, uh, the milk, the yogurt, the whatever. And it wasn't until he worked on his, uh, organic farm when he was like fresh out of college that he started eating, uh, fermented raw dairy, like cheeses that they made and yogurts. And also like the, even the heavy cream, uh, and the milk, he could drink it without any of the problems that he had from being lactose intolerant, getting pasteurized milk from the store. So there's something to be said for trying out like the real stuff, the best, what dairy really should be, uh, which is not, <laughs> you know, basically what, what I described, that horror film of the industrial farms is not where you want your dairy to come from because that sure. stuff's straight up poison, you know? Yeah, man. It's tough because I love dairy, but yeah. some, sometimes I feel like it affects me and other times I feel like it doesn't. So maybe it just right. depends on the source I'm getting it from. Exactly. Like you said, and uh, uh. making sure it's not from like, 
the gas station, you know, or whatever, <laughs> right. like that. Cheese whiz is not the same. Thing <laughs> exactly. As, yeah. You know, like like a fine brie from your local farm. It's yeah. just it. It's a shame, and that's one of the other things I, I try to outline in the book is that somewhere along the line we went from having, you know, if if anyone's seen The Hobbit, all the foods that are like locked up in his little treasure chest yeah, exactly. of the best foods on it, the cheeses, the cured meats, and all that, all of those delicious like natural foods that that actually were from farms have been replaced by crap that has the same name. So like exactly. you go out and get cheese, you're not really sure what you're getting unless you look really hard for the right stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You you basically give the secret to fat loss in one sentence in the book and you say, stay away from sugar and processed grains, especially in the morning. Now, what do you mean by, is this all sugar? Is this no fruit as well? Or what does that mean? Fruit is something that, uh, is essentially nature's candy. And a lot of animals, uh, including uh, humans back in the day, would use fruit, the uh, the enormous amount of it that usually came um, in, in like the fall as a way to fatten up before winter when it got cold. Mm. Um, and also things like apples will keep for a long time, um, which you know the industry <laughs> has started to use against us. Um, but basically, fruit is something that should be seen as a a, a treat or uh, something that you use to like, flavor like a Snickers other bar, like a Snickers bar that's straight <laughs> from a garden, right? Like, right. You, and once you uh, get your palate back, essentially, most of us have blasted our palates with industrial salt and chemical flavorings and stuff like that. So, if you're addicted to Diet Coke, for instance, your palate might not be able to notice right now the difference between you know, a, a regular strawberry and one that's super fresh and really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can, I can say that after doing this for a few years and, and really becoming a foodie in a lot of ways, uh, w- once you get away from that, that the, basically the processed food, that's a napalm bomb for your palate, you really want to, uh, you're encouraged to stick to like an, a fresh apple tastes so much better to me than uh, a bite of a cake that might be served at you know someone's office party or or someone's birthday. It's it's like when you really learn to appreciate fresh foods, uh, things can taste so much better than you're used to, and so you get satisfied on things that you don't expect. Mm, but the sugar just tastes so good, <laughs> you know. It's sugar interesting though. Taste good. When it's I cut off, I, I you know I did an interview on your podcast, and yeah. I talked about how I went off sugar for two months and in the first 30 days I lost 30 pounds without sugar. And I think I did no uh, gluten as well. Yeah. But the sugar was really like, I started to appreciate after the first month and the second month, I started to appreciate fruit in a different way because I wasn't just having candy bars and milkshakes every day anymore. Right. And I was really appreciating the foods I was eating and uh, it's definitely a different taste. (laughs) So you have to, you have to, you have to move move into that direction and really understand it. But, uh, and, and at some point, you, you know, it's hard for us because we, uh, especially our generation has been raised on mm-hmm. <clears throat> some of the most industrial food there is. Um, and so like our comfort food isn't necessarily like grandma's oatmeal, <laughs> yeah. whole grain oatmeal, right? It's, it's more like, uh, easy Mac or like cheese whiz or, or Domino's pizza or something like that. And that's mm-hmm. just, it's not even fair, Boston you know, market, and, man. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and it's, it's not even fair because those, I mean, those foods are designed to be as addictive as possible. So right. just know that it's, it's like the matrix, right? 
uh, <laughs> like which pill do you want? The one where this is all an illusion and you just get to taste your delicious steak and, and who cares where it came from or whether it's real or not? Or do you really want to kind of like do the work that it takes mm -hmm. to um, get a hold of this? Because otherwise you're just going to be hijacked by all these foods that are, God, it's the most pernicious stuff mm -hmm. there is, you know, like exactly. the, the the things that we're subjected to even on the billboards, like the way that they tug at our cravings all day is unprecedented. And no wonder we're having so much trouble. Exactly. Yeah. Now I'm curious, there's really two reasons why there's, there's two different styles of healthy in my mind. It's the ego vanity healthy where you look really good. And then there's the healthy, like you can run forever. You can lift really yeah. hard and heavy and you're, you've got a lot of energy throughout the day. Walk us through how to have both. You know, I think there's most guys listening and maybe women, they want a flat stomach or a six pack. And right. they want to be, a, they want to have a toned body. They want to look healthy, but then they also want to have the energy throughout the day. So they feel like they have, uh, I don't know, they're just a finely tuned machine every, <laughs> mo every moment of the day so that every moment is optimized. So, what is the process? Let's walk us through from the morning you wake up to the time you go to bed. The process of having both, having your six pack or the flat abs, uh, you know, having the body percentage you want, but yeah. also having the energy throughout the day. Walk us through what you do from the morning to night, both what you eat, what you put in your body, your physical yeah. workouts, and the emotional mindset that you have throughout the day as well. Cool. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so I'll, I'll just talk about my example, and, and I want to sure. just put this little disclaimer up front that everyone needs to find their own thing. I, I have, you know, fought long and hard to find out what my things are, what I enjoy, what I can get away with, what my, what suits my body and mind really well and, and my hab, <clears throat> excuse me, my habits. So I, I'm just going to talk about that, but know that it's up to you to kind of find your coolest little things. Um, so for me, I start every day with, uh, usually about an hour of my own time that I reserve to do the things that are most important that day that I know that. I, I probably won't do otherwise. And that's, um, I found from a compliance standpoint, it's, it's a lot better for my mind when I can use my physicality, not just during one gruesome workout, <laughs> you know, once or twice a week or something like that, where I'm just dragging through and, and really fighting it, but work out like a little bit, get that easy win and something physical to get your heart racing early in the morning every day. Um, and so I, not, I give myself so not a super hard workout early in the morning, but Exactly. Some yeah. movement. Some movement. And I, what that looks like for me is uh, with, usually within about 20 minutes of me waking up, I do qigong, uh, which is like tai chi type movements and sometimes some yoga, some mobility type stuff. Um, actually, I broke my foot uh, about six, eight months ago. And coming back from that, you know, I had to totally revamp my whole workout mm. um, and, and be very intentional about what I built into my habits. And so what that looks like is, is basically I'm like, well, I can't do anything with my feet, so I guess I'll just go inverted. <laughs> so uh, I started doing handstand push-ups and getting a, a handle of, of more balance mobility work. So I do that every morning, um, the, the Qigong followed by meditation, which is something I've been doing for years. And uh, it, it really, that combined, especially with gratitude, some sort of exercise, uh, in gratitude and expressing thanks uh, every morning has been just so life-changing for me. And uh, and the people around me who have started to do it 
as well. I, I think it's something that sounds all woo-woo and pretty lame at first, but once you start doing it, you'll realize it's the best thing you can ever do. So um, the quick workout in the morning, something to get your blood pumping. I, I almost always take the dog for a walk outside. And if you don't have a dog, pretend you do and go outside, <laughs> get some sun. There's, there's a lot of benefit to your hormones in getting sun early in the day, which allows that basically it aligns your circadian rhythm with, uh, with the seasons and with the sunlight, which is what you want. You want to get tired, um, as the sun goes down and when you have your big feast at the end of the day. So like I said, I, um, I generally don't really eat in the mornings. So I'll have uh, one of my rituals is either making tea or coffee for myself. Also, um, I make my own tonics from herbs uh, and and that supplement, that kind of like complements my supplements as well. Um, so I do a round of that in the morning and then I get straight to work usually. But what that means to me is engaging the creative side, which is uh, for me writing, songwriting, uh, writing books, blog posts, usually playing uh, instruments. To answer your question from way earlier, I uh, I sing, play guitar, uh, I play saxophone, a little bit of keyboards, and um, mostly I try to engage my brain in uh, in the creative side of activity and allow the thoughts to come out without being interrupted. So I don't check my phone, email, anything. Everything is off wow. until usually um, noon, sometimes three. Sometimes I wait all week and just do one day of tech. Um, huh. no and so phone that's, calls, no phone at all. Right. Yeah. Um, pretty much none. I might talk to my assistant sometimes or mm. my family, but, uh, I have become, it, it, it's taken me a long time to work up to this. Um, but basically when we sold everything and started traveling the world, I, you know, I thought it would be, I told my assistant like, you know, I'll be back in three weeks or something. Then I'll check some email. But I got to the point where there was so much from so many different directions, it's you know, crazy, it, right? people who wanted to work with me, people who were sending me really genuine messages that I knew I wanted to respond to and all the social media, you know, stacked on top of that. I was like, man, you know, it's been really nice to kind of write my book and, and read other people's books and go to, to dinner with people I like and, and just kind of live my life outside of that whole uh, response oriented, reactive lifestyle that a lot of yeah. us are for, like confronted with now. And, and so basically I never came back, like I'm coming back on the grid and I'm going to be doing my podcast again. I've already started recording it, but it's all in these batches. So there's like today, like I said, I'm doing like seven interviews tomorrow. I have that for the next three or four days. And then I have my media done for the next you know quarter or, or sure. even half a year. And I found that that being super intentional about how you build your days and how you build your weeks can really allow you to do that. Amazing. Okay. Yeah, it's it's been cool. So if, if you continue through the day, and I'm doing work in the middle of the day, which is more of the, you know, entertaining the muse. So if you're writing a song, you know that you can't force that out all the time. Right. Um, but, you know, I when I was that, working- I call that strategic screwing around. I like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but basically letting your pen move on its own. Sometimes exactly. that's where the best ideas come from. Um, right. And then when you really do need to force something out, I would always listen to like Dragon Force and put on some like yeah. crazy death metal or something and just jam out a spreadsheet or whatever else you have to do. Um, and then so I, I get through most of the day without without food. Occasionally um, I'll do like a green smoothie like I was telling people about before, which is 
basically a lot of greens like kale, spinach, arugula, if you want something spicy, uh, and then combine that with your favorite, you know, protein powder or some nuts, some chia. Um, I, I, it's mostly greens with almost no sugar in it, uh, is the main thing to remember, uh, which, yeah, it might be a little bit of blueberries or, or strawberries or something like that, but usually it's, it's not really any fruit. If I do eat fruit or sweets, it's at night. Um, because so if you get to the feasting portion of all this, eating a big meal at night, eating a big meal anytime makes you all lethargic as anyone who's, you know, come back from a lunch meeting after eating the wrong thing knows it's, it's rough. You, to, you, want to, you need an afternoon nap. You need a nap. Yeah. But if you s- skip lunch or have something, you know, small or just, you know, you're running on the fat that was in your coffee or something, then uh, the nighttime, you know, I, it used to be, I would have trouble sleeping, I, you know, counting sheep until 11 midnight and then, you know, waking up all night. When I started moving to this type of eating style and, and uh, lifestyle, I start passing out at like nine, no <laughs> eight thirty sometimes, and it's awesome. It's the best because I wake up at like five or six the next morning, you know, with like plenty of sleep and just ready to rock my next morning thing, which is when I get most of my work done. And I realized, especially as a musician, nothing good really happens after nine p.m. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like right. if people are honest with themselves, what are you really doing after after that time? Right. Um, for some people who are reading, like maybe that's good or learning something or whatever, but most people, that's the time that's that's squandered. And so it's an easy opportunity to kind of like replace that with some real quality time that you get the next morning for a big workout or if you always wanted to learn a language or, you know, start your business. That's the time when everyone else is sleeping that you're sipping your tea. You know, no, that's one of my favorite things is just waking up at 4 a.m. before the sunrise and just like sipping tea and writing or listening to music. It's a, it's something that so many of us don't take advantage of that could totally change, you know, your happiness. Yeah. I mean, I, I interviewed a guy named Eric Thomas on the podcast and he talks about, he gets up at 3am every morning and spends three or four hours before, like no one is allowed to interrupt him for three hours or something like that. Yeah. And he says he just, everything is done before people wake up. Isn't that awesome? Like think of how much of an advantage you have. (laughs) You can do that. Crazy. I mean, with it's a challenge because I love to go out late and have, you know, dinners with friends and stay up till 11, 12, and I travel sure. a lot. And so it's, you've really got to be able to set yourself up to win for that lifestyle. Yeah. But it's something I see myself moving towards whenever I have the opportunity to do that. If there's not an event or something happening where I want to stay up, um, just because of the benefits like you talked about are profound when you well, have and that that's- time. That's another interesting thing, right? Because like, and I'm glad you mentioned it because if we go back to that story that I mentioned with all like the health experts thinking that we eat like this all the time, that's a mistake to think like that. Because when I go to an event, yeah, I'm all, I'm out all night with everyone else too, but that's because I wasn't pushing it all week. And I don't think you were either, right? It's like the people who you see rocking it at events a lot of the time are the ones who are sleeping all through the week. Like the habits that that people don't necessarily see and would like not to believe. My advantage, the, the way that I have so much success is because I get more sleep than almost anybody else. Yeah. Like that's that's legit and that's true. And um, and it's not the sec- sexiest thing to talk about or think about, but it's wow. the most honest thing for most people, I think. If they want to correct their own lives, it's it's getting more intimate with how are you treating yourself, Yeah, you know? And I think it's about when you sleep too because if you're sleeping all during the day, 
you're kind of messing up your patterns of when you're supposed to be sleeping. Right. If you're staying yeah. up late and then you sleep in until two after, in the afternoon, it's probably not the best, most effective and efficient way to do it. Man, I used to have a gig that I'd play at like midnight or 1230. We'd go on. And so I'd get home from work at like 5 p.m., 6 p.m. And then I was just like, do I do I sleep now? I can't sleep now. Like what happened? And then you have to go on and, and just rock it at some crazy reggae club all night, you know, and then, then you can't, you have to stay and talk to people. So yeah, I've, I've lived the other side of things too. And and that's, if there's any way you can avoid the night shift, that stuff is terrible. I mean, mm. you just never, you always feel like you're in la la land kind of like yeah. you're living in a, in a bad dream because you're never yeah. quite there. Right. Right. That's tough, man. That's tough. Um, well, I want, to, I want to wrap things up here in a second. I want to make sure everyone gets a copy of your book because I love the process you have here. You really set a philosophy in place and you have a lot of you know, recipes uh, for what you can make for yourself throughout the day and the night. Uh, then you, at the end, you give some great stuff. You talk about how you should live like you're camping. And, yeah. and I really want people to, to get this just to have this last chapter. Um, you talk about uh, eating for athletes and the wild diet for athletes and all these different things. So I really love your philosophy. I mean, you know, there's, here's, there's the thing is there's lots of health experts out there. There's a lot of fitness people, people that do cookbooks, things like that. And a lot of them, I'll be honest, are very similar. And um, especially nowadays, I feel like people are talking more about this style of diet and everyone right. has their own twist on it. But I really love what you've done. I love what you've created and I love your philosophy behind it. And, Thanks, uh, and obviously we've had some great times together and I want people to check this book out. It's called the wild diet, get back to your, your roots, burn fat and drop up to 20 pounds in 40 days. I'll have it all linked up here on the show notes. A couple last questions for you. One is what are you most grateful for recently? Oh, that's so good. I think it's the ability and the, the realization that we really can create our own day, our own habits. Uh, cause it's so easy to let life get away from you. And what we just did, you know, is kind of like, <laughs> I heard a great term for it is going, declaring email bankruptcy, mm -hmm. essentially. <laughs> you know, and basically we did that with our whole social media, our whole email. And even with, with some of our family and friends, we're just like, look, our, you know, our, our phones won't work for the next few months, uh, <laughs> which, which was true. We, we lived off the grid. So it's, man, it's, it's, Imagine that you just came back to your own life and you can whip up whatever tomorrow you want. I mean, it sounds super corny, but if you do that, you can just whip up whatever, you know, is your favorite day for the rest of your life. Um, and so even if it's starting small with a little thing that you can, you know, weasel in there uh, at, at, for five minutes at 735 tomorrow morning, just like take a second, write it down and uh, make a small promise to yourself and then fulfill it. Mm. I love that. All right. I've got one last question for you. And before I ask it, I want to acknowledge you really quickly because the thing that I acknowledge about you, Abel, is that you're always positive. You're always bringing energy of positivity no matter what task or relationship you're involved in, no matter what aspect of your life you're in. Whenever I see you or read your stuff or watch a podcast of yours or when we meet in person, you're positive. And I feel like that positivity is a quality that not a lot of people have with everything they do. So one, I want to acknowledge you for that. Two, I want to acknowledge you for creating and designing your life the way you dream of it and making it happen. You know, as a musician, 
and then transitioning, going from like not feeling like you had to stick to something, but being able to allow yourself to take on new things, new skills, and learn to master them. Uh, allow yourself, I mean, for me, going off the grid for two or three months and not checking things seems a little scary right now. <laughs> yeah. So, so for you to be able to do that and be completely cool and confident and you know, have everything figured out or allow things to be figured out along the way to do what you want and not have the pressures of society or, you know, online marketing or whatever it may be, or feeling like you need to stick to your podcast, even though it was so popular. I really acknowledge you for allowing yourself to be uh, comfortable designing things the way you want it to be and being positive during that process. Because I think it's really cool the example you set for so many other people on how they want to live the life that they dream of as well. So thank you for that. I acknowledge you for all those good things, my man, and keep it up. Thanks, Lewis. I, I really appreciate that. Of course. Yeah. Uh, final question. It's what I ask everyone at the end. It's what is your definition of greatness? <laughs> I'll try not to do whatever I said last time, but <laughs> but I think it's the the ability to be happy with yourself every day not not forever but for every day because you kind of no matter who you are that morning ritual that i was talking about before you forget every morning so you need to remind yourself through moving the way that you think maybe you know writing a a, a loving note to someone you really care about whatever that means to you um do it and and Th that I think is is greatness. That is success. Mm. Abel James, you are the man. The Wild Diet. I'll have it linked up here at the end. But thank you so much for coming on, my man. Thanks, Lewis. This is fun. And there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Abel. If you did, please go back to the show notes where we've got all the links, the resources, the information on how to connect with Abel over at lewishouse.com slash 158. Again, that's lewishouse.com slash 158. Also, guys, we're doing something very cool in the next couple of weeks that I'm launching that I've so pumped on. I've been working on this for a few months, me and my team. It's kind of been a little behind-the-scenes secret project, if you will. So here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to go to lewishouse.com, again, slash 158, and there'll be a little... Uh, option to subscribe to my free newsletter. I want you to opt in there if you have yet to subscribe. I know a lot of you are on my newsletter list, reaching close to 100,000 people, which is amazing. But if you haven't yet to subscribe, please subscribe there. Again, lewishouse.com slash 158 and sign up for the free newsletter because in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be releasing something that I think you are all going to love. It's something I've been excited about. It's a passion of mine for the last few months. So, I am pumped, and uh, I don't want to give away too much because it's going to be pretty cool, and uh, I think we're going to do something really interesting in this space. So, again, lewishouse.com slash 158. Again, thank you guys all so much for coming on. If you enjoyed this, make sure to share it with your friends over on Twitter and Facebook and tag me in a picture over on Instagram, at lewishouse. Let me know where you are listening to this in the world. And you guys are incredible. Thank you all so much for all that you do. You know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great.
Thank <laughs> you.